But the mental strength that you get from one to the other, they carry across the two. And that's why a lot of people are unable to do it. They don't have the mental strength to make trading work. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey, can you do me a favor? I really want to help you with trading, and the easiest way for me to do that is by heading to secretinvestingbook.com to get my book, The Secret Investing Book, totally free. All you're doing is covering the shipping price, and we'll send you this book that exposes 13 virtually unknown secrets to take the guesswork out of trading. So grab your copy now at secretinvestingbook.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, and watch all of our past episodes. Good afternoon, traders. Happy July 17th, year of our Lord, 2023. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I have a lot to talk about today. First is, I hope you had a chance to check out the new program. My mic is in the way pretty bad. Let me see. There we go. Hope you had a chance to check out the new program that we're putting together with Outlier. Um, very excited to do so. Um, mainly because seeing trading and making money with their platform gave me a lot of confidence. And now uh, working with them, um, we're creating a new show. It's called Outlier Live. Uh, I'll be doing it live Mondays and Wednesdays. And then Mahesh, he's one of the co-founders. He's going to be doing it Tuesdays and Thursdays. So be on the lookout for that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it was a long, long, long weekend at the Yule house. Donna, good afternoon. Good to see you, Victor. Um, Friday, I basically, uh, cocooned myself in, uh, the library here. That's what we call our, our home office. We call it the library. Cocooned myself in the library and didn't come out until about midnight last night because I had an idea. And, uh, I backtested, I'll show you on the screen here. I backtested personally, manually. 528 stocks. <laughs> no, 545 stocks. And I mean, I was just going and going and going and going. And my thought was, what worked? What didn't work? What are the commonalities of these stocks that did work? What are the commonalities of the stocks that didn't work? And of course, I kept notes and I'm going through this. Um, and I wrote it down in the Discord. So I want to talk about that. So, number one, um, the buy and sell signals are dependent on the stock's trend. If in an uptrend and get, getting a sell signal, that means to close the trade, not to go short. Let me show you an example. So, SPY, if you remember, uh, we took, it was a trade right here. I remember June 1st, and it was a beautiful trade, like instantly worked and made tons of money. And then we got a sell signal. I believe it was on this day, June 23rd, and it was the opposite. It did nothing for us, and we eventually got out with a not happy loser there. Now, if we go to the SPY, there's the June 1st, there's the June 23rd. See, the difference in the buy and the sell signal here is that the buy signal came during an uptrend, right? 10 over the 20 price over the 50 in an uptrend. The sell signal came in an uptrend. And so reviewing that across all the stocks, I made a pretty obvious discovery. I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, but a sell signal inside of an uptrend is a go to cash, close to trade signal. A sell signal in a downtrend is a sell short signal. Same is true with the buy signal. A buy signal in an uptrend is a go long signal. 
a buy signal and a downtrend is a, if you're going short, go to cash. So that's the number one thing that I found, right? If you get a sell signal uptrend, that means get out of the trade, go to cash, not to go short. In a downtrend, getting a sell signal means a short setup. And that makes total sense. Next, the buy sell signals are independent of the individual stocks themselves and the SPY. So the SPY's buy and sell signals are independent of the individual stocks. So if you remember the last couple of weeks, I've been saying we've got a sell signal in the SPY, so we're only looking at shorts. That's not the case. So if the SPY has a buy or sell signal, that's just on that. That's just on that, right? And when I say just on that, I mean like, I'm not gonna apply a buy signal to everything inside the S&P 500 because not everything inside the S&P 500 is set up to buy and vice versa on the sell. So um, we are going to go back to our 10.20.50 as far as establishing the trend. So if the 10 is over the 20, price is over the 50, this is a bullish trend. Nothing's changed there. That's the way it's been since the dawn of time. And we're going to continue to do that. Now, if we get a buy signal on the SPY while it's 10, 20, 50 crossed up, hey, that's a buy signal and we'll, we'll look for it. Um, but we're definitely not going to take any sell signals when the trend is going up. Um, next, relative strength matters a ton. We've always traded on relative strength. And that goes way, way back to William O'Neill. That goes way, way back to Nicholas Darvis. Um, and going through my data, it just pans out like that on every single time, right? If a stock shows a ton of relative strength to the market, then uh, that's a great stock to be looking at to go long. And here's a super handy, super easy way to do that, right? Of course, we use our uh, relative strength scanner, but if you're just looking at some charts and you're like, huh, I wonder how this compares. Um, where is it at? You can just throw the RSI on any stock. So this is Tesla. So Tesla's RSI on July 3rd was 71.58. SPY's RSI on July 3rd was 68.51. So Tesla's RSI is higher on the same date as the SPY RSI, meaning that Tesla's relative strength is higher. RSI is relative strength index, and you can compare A to B. Um, that's a lot of the math behind how we calculate it, but not exactly. But in general, that's a great back of the napkin way to do it. So if you're looking at a setup and you're like, hmm, I wonder what the relative strength for this is versus the SPY, that's a really quick and dirty way to do it and it totally gets you in the ballpark. Um, so yeah, the relative strength measure is huge. So absolutely, we'll continue to do that as we always have. Now, uh, we talked about getting the buy and sell signals and where they come, right? And when I originally went through and back tested boatloads of stuff inside of Outlier, uh, manually so, I found that um, above the 10 period EMA was a great entry point for going long. Below the 10 period EMA was a great uh, entry point for going short. Now, having traded more with these and dug into the intricacies of it more, I found the 10 EMA is not the line in the sand to use for going long, going short. The 50 EMA, the 50 EMA, hey Sebastian, good to see you. The 50 EMA is a way, way, way better indicator than um, the 10 period EMA. So what that means is getting the sell signal when it's below the 10 is a go to cash signal. Getting the sell signal when it's below the 50, that's your short sale signal. 
Does that make sense? That should make a lot of sense, right? Because it's giving up a lot of gains to get back to the 50. Um, let me see what else I talked about here. Utilizing the 10, 20, 50 trend on the SPY. And then I had a pretty clever idea. So one of the things that I was looking at was um, our trade here, why it was so successful. That that in, in all reality, what I did was I said, what worked for us? What has shown to be a huge winner based on the outliers data, you know, backtesting it? What are the commonalities? Why? Why did it work? That that was what my head was at, or where my head was at. Um, so then I was looking at the MMFI, and I was like, okay. So the MMFI, we've always used just a, a line in the sand of 50%. And then I got to thinking about how hmm, during this period, it was going up. In fact, let me, let me, this is going to get real busy real fast. <laughs> like I said. So here's a lot of the notes that I was drawing for myself. Uh, the boxes right here, this was a sell signal inside of uh, Outlier. And then when it was actually below the moving averages, the buy signal when it was actually above the moving averages. There was a sell signal right here, but at no point was it below the moving averages. This was a buy signal inside of Outlier and above the moving averages. So anyway, I did all that. But I also drew down here at the bottom where the MMFI was bullish or bearish. So aligning these two with the trend, not necessarily the buyer sell signal, but with the trend, the moving average trend, and the MMFI, I was like, oh, check this out. We can do the same thing with the MMFI, the 10, 20, 50. So um, I probably can change this, but I don't know how to do it at the moment as far as the colors, because I, I would rather match the colors. Um, anyway, I'll figure that out later. But it's a 10, 20, 50, like we do on the SPY, but on the market breadth. And you can see we could actually get in market breadth long as early as uh, let's say late May, I'm sorry, early May, 1st of May, and then it really stayed over nearly the entire time around May 5th. Yeah, May 5th is what it says right there, which May 5th is right here, right? May 5th gets us in that much earlier than waiting until June 5th, an entire month earlier getting in line with the MMFI trending higher. And I was like, hey, look at that. It gives us new opportunities that we didn't have before when we go with the MMFI trend versus just the 50%. So I'm pretty stoked about that. That seemed to work really well when I was back testing it. And so at the end of the day, what does this mean? This means that with the outlier data, I am super, 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 super stoked about it. Combining that with trend following, which we know works, right? Trend, I can I can never promise you anything in the future, but I can promise you that trend following has been shown to work, historically speaking, by millions and millions of traders. And utilizing the outlier signals, utilizing trend following on the SPY, utilizing the trend following on MMFI, and using trend following inside of its own stock and the relative strength, we got a real combination right here, which I am super, super stoked about. So uh, it only took me about 74 hours over the weekend. I don't even know if there were 74 hours in the weekend. <laughs> and 545 stocks being back tested to get to that point. But I am glad to have done it because now I have a lot more confidence in how this works and how we are going to use it. So with all that being said, um, 
we do need to close J and J because J and J, while it is trending down, right? As you can see, uh, hang on, let me put my drawings back on. We got into J and J when it was below its 50, like we talked about just a moment ago and trending down. And right now we can't keep it on any longer because it's against the trend of the market. Look, the, the market is going to go as far as the market's going to go, uh, but we're not going to stand in its way. Right. And we're not going to take anything that's that's a, a trade that could be a lot easier to go with the trend than against the trend. So we need to close J and J and let's see what I can get it filled at. Uh, it's a tiny winner. I, I mean, I'd rather just take it off than leave it on and hope and pray that everything works. All right, it's gone. I got filled average fill price to close at 620. Drop this over here in the trade updates. Seven. Trade number one. Closed. J and J for 620. Small winner. That's okay. Uh, but the point is, we got to go along with the trend. And there's some really, really, really awesome opportunities to do with that. So, uh, let me show you the updates I made to the trading room PowerPoint, um, incorporating a few of our um, past slides, right? We got away from the offensive defensive transition days. I want to go back to that. I very much want to go back to that. Transition days, we're not in the market waiting on valid setups. Defensive days, we're in the market, but no new trades and an offensive day. Everything's lined up. We're going to put on some new trades. Now, of course, what I do want to continue to do, and if it's okay with you, and let me know in the, in the chat, um, I really like that with the outlier data, I can play in the entire day early. I can do it by 10 o'clock my time and I just know what we're going to do. Do you like me texting you and saying, okay, today I'm gonna to put on J&J &J 165 puts uh, earlier on in the day and then we actually go and execute that at the end of the day. Do you like that or do you? would you rather, and this is a, uh, I would like your opinion, would you rather me uh, just do everything live all at once like we used to do where it's a surprise and I don't even know what I'm putting on? Or would you rather me plan it out, send it to you ahead of time, and then do the exercise and actually putting it on later in the day? Let me know. Um, the, the, the choice is yours. Um, let me see real quick. Oh, I am gonna run a, a I do have a, a scanner that I built that kind of mimics the outlier data. Outlier theory long. And so I'm gonna put these on as well, or at least look at them. Um, it just gives us some other opportunities like tap, high, WRB, things like that. And you can see here's one exactly where it crosses over the 50 period. So this would be the start of a trend. Uh, as long as outlier agrees with it, WRB. I don't know if you can hear the background, but, uh, my kids both have friends over and they're, they're going nuts. Um, and see, this has a sell signal. So even with the, the chart coming through on WRB, we would, we would skip it. So um, with that being said, I pulled all the data for the buy signals today. And because the market has been so strong, the relative strength bar is very high. So I pulled all these. Uh, I think there's over 40 or so. Drop them in the relative strength scanner. And I got some interesting results here. 
a lot of them have relative strengths that are low. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, what we need is see 105% and a 5% growth on the RS delta. So let me zoom in real quick. And if you're not familiar with what I mean by RS delta, that's a relative strength change. So your relative strength is what is is currently, right? If it's driving at 100 miles an hour, if the, if the market's driving at 100 and this stock is driving at 44, you already know it's weak. But this also says that a week ago, it was 24 percentage points higher. So it was at 68 a week ago. And that's also representative in this um, spark chart over here because it shows the, uh, the relative strength and how it's changed. So in reality, what's been happening is that the market has been marching higher, right? Really, really strong. And it's making the relative strength of everything else really weak, right? Because if the market's going at 100, nobody can keep up with the market, then everything else looks weaker. So we, uh, mathematically speaking, are going to need to see a pullback for a lot of stocks to start setting up. Because right now it's looking very, very extended from that perspective. And that's why, and that's why we do what we do, uh, we have the uh, relative strength scanner to help us know when things are too far and when things are outperforming. So Sebastian says... I like being live with you and trading, though I'm not always available every time. So I'm open for both. Probably be tempted to trade early in the day if I'm busy in the afternoon. Cool. So Sebastian um, and Victor says, let us know in advance better for me. I really like it too because, I mean, I, if I can plan it and then I have the entire day to just, you know, that's what we're going to do. And then later on in the day, if something changes, of course, we'll always change it. But um, being set up earlier on in the day and then knowing and then executing at the end of the day, which was always the plan. Uh, Steve Burns taught me that. I remember specifically asking him that. I was like, Steve, when to trade? And he's like, dude, all the liquidity is at the end of the day. That's when all the hedge funds, that's when all the uh, fund managers, that's when all the institutions, that's when they're making their positions. And that's when you want to trade. So we start at 2.15 uh, central time because that gives us time to, to chat, to get set up and to execute before the close of the day. And you know, there are days where things are just so busy. So uh, I also like having it ahead of time, but I'll still go through uh, and maybe not as detailed as I did before, where it's like drop it, wait, you know, all that stuff. Or I can say, okay, we've got, you know, XYZ is set up. We're gonna go to this strike and I'm putting this on right now. Um, I like that a little bit easier and, and, it, and it shortens up the stream because we all got other things we want to do. So yeah, covered a lot today. Um, like I said, back to 545 stocks, found out what worked and what didn't work. Going with the trend like we always have been, not trading anything counter trend of the market or counter trend of the stock itself. Uh, new MMFI trend configuration, which I think is really cool. Super stoked to have that. Rather than 50% actually using the trend lines um, like I say, I'm gonna try and match these uh, uh, line colors to our normal line colors. And then uh, utilizing the relative strength. Because, you know, right now you could get into anything, but everything's so overextended that everything looks totally weak compared to the SPY. And I don't know how long the SPY is gonna go like this, but <laughs> as they say, the market can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent. So I'm just gonna let us do what it's gonna do and then once we get something to set up, that's when we'll go in. So let's move into our final thoughts. All right, thank you all for allowing me to tell you what I've been working on. This is my passion. 
I am so incredibly, incredibly grateful um, that I found my passion in life where I can spend 74 hours over the weekend just going at it and it doesn't even phase me, right? It's just fun. I don't know who in the world thinks data is fun except for data geeks like me and maybe like you. <laughs> the mental strength developed in trading will change your non-trading life. I wrote that. The mental strength developed in trading will change your non-trading life. I totally believe this because you've got to be able to go with the flow, right? I didn't start meditating until I, start, until I started trading seriously. And being able to observe emotionlessly has been really, really helpful. Now, of course, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect in my trading. I try to be, but I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect in my family life. I try to be. But the mental strength that you get from one to the other, they carry across the two. And that's why a lot of people are unable to do it. They don't have the mental strength to make trading work. And they definitely aren't able to see how you can use that mental resiliency in your day-to-day -day life. Like a couple weeks ago, right? Wife's driving a brand new Tesla. Gets a blowout while we're live on stream, right? Of course you can freak out. Oh, man, how could you do this to my brand new car? Oh, that tire is $650. That was a surprise. <laughs> or you can say, okay, you know what? We're going to deal with this as best we can. Right? It's like, it's like uh, a, a trade that doesn't go your way. Okay, that sucks. Take a deep breath. We're going to deal with this. Get to a safe place. We're gonna we can handle it from here, right? That mental resiliency will keep you and your family and your trading account in a better place than it ever would if you hadn't had the time to learn that as a trader. So thank you all so much for coming. I will see you right back here on tomorrow's ten minute trading room. Have a fantastic afternoon. Talk soon. Hey, don't forget to grab your free secret investing book over at secretinvestingbook.com while it's still available.